Hello, hello, and welcome to a special debut episode of Part of the Mike Podcast. We're here to talk about all things football related. I am your host, MJ Michelle. Over there, we have Reese Thomas. Hey, hey. And in that corner, we've got that man, Jack Grenard. Howdy. We decided, like, we've, we're all fans of football. We thought we would come together in a more formal atmosphere to try and, you know, talk all things football and drink a couple of beers along the way and just have a good chat. So, shall we get more acquainted with our dear listeners, gentlemen? Yep. I think, uh, Reese, why don't you say a bit about yourself? So, um, I work in bespoke and designer furniture, which is... That goes hand-in-hand with football, I believe. Of course. Uh, and I'm a sports fan in general, but I have a particularly keen eye on the Premier League itself. So, as you can tell, we are coming from a position of high pedigree with deep insight into the footballing world. A lot of insight, yeah. How about you, Jack? Yeah, I work in PR. I previously uh, worked at TalkSport, and I've written a few articles online. Um, we actually discussed creating a podcast, myself and Matt, in the pub, so... Where all good ideas are born. Yes, so here we are. So if I uh, can add a little caveat to that story, we started that, we came up with the idea to have a podcast and uh, Jack bailed pretty much the second we realised we had to do any work for it. <laughs> I relentlessly tracked him down and here we are today. Fake news, ladies and gentlemen. Fake news. <laughs> so um, let's have a bit of a catch-up. What have you guys been up to this week? Uh, I've been down by the seaside in uh, the sunny, wet weather. So <laughs> taking in the absolutely fantastic weather we've been having on this bank holiday. Yep. I decided to play golf on the side of a very steep cliff. It was horrible. <laughs> Beautiful. I mean, I'm just so happy from Britain on weekends like this. Yeah. How about you, Jack? Yeah, I've been on annual leave, so just been taking it easy. Done, done, done a little bit of shopping. You know, treat myself a little bit. You don't, you don't stress that out, out too much, do you? So. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> no. About so uh, I'm assuming you gents caught a bit of football on the way then? Yes, sir. So, um, well, we'll talk about that. But before, uh, shall we drop into one of our first segments? It's called The Halftime Point. So this segment is decided by whoever wins the previous week's quiz. The loser has to provide the beverages for the next podcast. As this is the debut episode, we don't have a loser, so we had a toss-up before the pause, and Reese was kind enough to indulge us. So take away, Reese. What do we have? Uh, so keeping it all football-related, I've gone for a Barcelona-brewed lager, and uh, we have some Estrella. I mean, we do like to keep it continental on this podcast, despite <laughs> talking primarily about the uh, all things going on in the Premiership. But uh, yeah, I'm a bit of a fan of this so far. How about you, Jack? Yeah, yeah, it beats what we drank last week when you know when we when we met up. We uh, had a can of Stella. Yeah, so <laughs> I think us as gentlemen and as podcast promoters, we are really going in the right direction. It seems so. Uh, <laughs> onwards and upwards. Onwards and upwards. So that being said, let's wrap up the halftime point and go into the five second bash. So this segment is a very quick review of everything that's going on in the Premiership. Each of our each of our presenters have both had a had a bit of a summary of each Premiership game. So let's start off with Palace one, Liverpool two. Yes, and it's uh, been a bit of a more momentum with Mo Salah getting his thirty seventh goal of the season. Um, Karius was clumsy again and bumped into Miljovic. Sorry, Jack. Um, I, I just want to cut in here. You know this, second, this segment's called the five-second bash. Let's try and wrap it up a bit, son. Sorry, sir. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I run a tight ship on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, Palace were wasteful. Liverpool 1-2-1. Watford 2. Bournemouth 2. Uh, one deflection, one handball penalty, one P-roller, and one Defoe rolling back the years. And that is how it's done. <laughs> Brighton nil, Leicester two. 
Yes, 10-man Leicester triumphed as Murray misses and Vardy's having a party scoring the final goal. <laughs> Man United 2, Swansea 0. Uh, pressured Swansea out of it. Lukaku, great. 100 goals at 24. Newcastle 1, Huddersfield Town 0. Yes, Perez to the rescue as Newcastle boosts their survival hopes. Huddersfield are now 3 above the drop zone. West Bromwich Albion 1, Burnley 2. Burnley iron up uh, the Europa League and if West Brom were a meme, they would be, stop it, they are already dead. <laughs> West Ham 3, Southampton 0. Yeah, rejuvenated Hammers smashed Southampton as Arnautovic scored twice against his former boss. Everton 1, Manchester City 3. 82% possession, why haven't they won the league already? That is a very, very relevant question today. <laughs> Chelsea 1, Tottenham 3. Spurs came from 1-0 down to win it 3-1. Uh, an Ericsson show-stopping shot. Outrageous dip and a Deli Alley brace to silent the naysayers. I believe you could just describe that game in one word. It would be naughty. <laughs> Arsenal 3, Stoke 0. Yeah, so Bamiyang scored twice and Lacazette denied the hat-trick by taking the last penalty. That was somewhat a controversial decision from what I could see. Yes. <laughs> and that concludes our premier edition of the 5 Second Bash. We hope you enjoyed that one. So moving on from just the, the roundup, we thought we'd give you a bit more in-depth insight into a few of the goings-on in all things football. So with that, I would like to take you through to Jack Granard live from the living room. Sorry, just getting a typewriter out, sorting this one out. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. We're yes. a bit stuck in the Stone Ages. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, um, welcome to Live from the Living Room. And first up, Alan Pardew has been sacked after eight successive league defeats. Dare I say, shock. <laughs> yes, ten games without victory, and it sort of opens up the debate of how long is long enough for a manager nowadays. I think that is a very pertinent question. So uh, what do you think, Rhys? Uh, I, I think he's quite a good manager, in all honesty, but he hasn't done well at Palace. He's been given a sinking ship. Uh, at Palace, I think you're one, one behind. He didn't do very well there. Now he's done pretty badly at West Brom. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Easy on the points, mate. <laughs> I think uh, the point Reese is trying to get across is just more of the same, really. <laughs> yeah. Nice save. <laughs> yeah, he's the 10th manager to leave this season. Um, in other news, City are now one victory away from winning the Premier League, and they might be able to do it against their biggest rivals, Manchester United. I think that would be a lovely little touch, just going, going across the town, just to really rub it in, lifting the trophy in front of those fans. It's almost as though it was planned. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, and uh, if you saw that performance, they were breathtaking, I have to say. Dominant. I mean, Liverpool should be worried in the week. <laughs> yeah, very worried. And they also had the most possession by any away team in the Premier League with 82%. I think that is truly shocking, considering we've seen, like, this is across, like, all Premier League history, am I correct? That is correct, yes. So, I mean, you're looking at that, you, we've had some pretty good teams. I mean, the Arsenal won't beat um, um, Invincibles of 2004, where, you know, Liverpool, at times, they play that ultra-high possession game. So, to have that mantle is really quite something in, you know, today's game. It is, it is. And... You know what, if they win the Premier League next week, that'll be the earliest date the Premier League has ever been won. Really? Yes. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, you know they're dominant this season, but you just don't think they're going to be that dominant, do you? Uh, it's pretty impressive. Um, 
good run. <laughs> yeah. I think it's got to be uh, the pep effect, right? Uh, they've got an, a fantastic team, but it's all sort of come together at the right time, right place. I mean, there's no coincidence that Pep's history as a manager is as good as it is. And like, when you see him playing at City, you just got to agree that they are truly exceptional. Yes, correct. Finally, um, on Park the Mic, we love a little bit of gossip. Oh, we do love a gossip. Yes, gossip. <laughs> and the Express has reported that Bale and 132 mil will be traded for Morata and Hazard. Unbelievable sums of money. <laughs> yes, uh, what, yeah, sorry, can you just repeat that? How, how much are you saying? Bale and 132 million for Morata and Hazard. I mean... This is just getting stupid. I mean, after I thought after the last window with like you know the goings on there that would calm down a bit, but this sort of money is just getting ridiculous. I mean, what do you think? He scores one goal against Spurs, Morata, and he's uh, back on fine form. Is <laughs> I think that's a pretty fair assessment because I mean now suddenly he's God's gift again. <laughs> yeah, I actually respectfully disagree with that. I would say it, it makes sense Ooh. for all parties. Real Madrid haven't signed you know a superstar. I think since. James Rodriguez, and That's also true. on that, Morata used to play for Real Madrid, so it actually makes sense. I'm, I'm sure he'll settle back in quite nicely. I mean, Real Madrid are kind of notorious for wanting to bring some of their boys back into the club after a spell on the, uh, spell away, so I mean, it might work out quite nicely, and Bell doesn't seem to have been too happy over late, has he? Uh, no, he, don't, he doesn't seem to enjoy his football as much there. I mean, you can see it as soon as he goes back into the Wales team when they played China. Last week, you could see he was almost a changed man, really. That might have something to do with, you know, breaking the country's all-time scoring record. That might help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> usually does. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do we have any more for any more from the newsroom? No. Then, uh, <laughs> with that, we shall leave Jack Grant on live in the newsroom. Yes, thank you, ladies and gents. So, guys, do we uh, fancy a bit of quiz action? Yes, sir. Yep. So, as is our first podcast, I thought I'd re- uh, relentlessly try and appeal to any sponsors out there. So, we're going to do a shirt sponsor quiz. <laughs> so, uh, if you're listening along and you fancy playing at home, uh, get your pen and paper ready. You guys all kitted out, ready to go? Uh, yep. I am prepared. <laughs> so, I've got five questions. It's really simple. All you've got to do is tell me what kit sponsor the team I say has. Are we ready? Yes. So, I thought I'll keep... Kick it off nice and easy. Question number one. Manchester United, who is their main shirt sponsor? Manchester United, main shirt sponsor. I don't see any cheating from either of you. Like, phones away. <laughs> okay, uh, we got an answer? Yep. Okay, then we shall now move on to Arsenal. Who is their main shirt sponsor? Ooh. <laughs> Come on, you see him most, pretty much every week on TV. There we go. Got some answers down there. Easy as pie. Keeping it nice and simple. Number three, Tottenham. Who is their shirt sponsor? I'm just going to add a little bit of side information here. So obviously we're we're all based down in London, so this should be a very <laughs> easy one. If we're not getting an answer, I am going to be pretty worried. So we're moving on to question number. (laughs) Oh, we really, we're really. (laughs) This is shocking, lads. Um, Yeah. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. We don't have time for this. (laughs) Number four. Brighton and Hove Albion. I'll give you a hint. I'm pretty sure uh, their stadium is somewhat similarly named. 
I'm getting very uh, blank looks here, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm going to assume there's not a lot going on in this answer. I'll, I'll bring it back. I'll make, uh, I'll make the final one a bit easier for you guys. Can we have a little bit more time at the end? You can have loads of time. Yeah, thank you. I mean, take all the time you want, but I'm going to ask the next question. Yeah. <laughs> so the final one, nice and easy, number five, Man City. Who is their shirt sponsor? So we've had United, Arsenal, Tottenham, Brighton and Hove Albion and Man City. So are we ready for some results? No. 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 <laughs> okay, that's... Give me 15 seconds. 15 yeah. seconds. So, um, it's embarrassing. So at this point, I thought uh, <laughs> now's probably a good time to uh, just fill a bit of dead time for these two. You can find us on social media at PastorMikePod. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. So uh, if you fancy on giving us a follow, come on down and you can see all our live content on there. Guys, this is all the all the filler I can give you. So we're going to go into some answers. So question one was Man United. Who is their shirt sponsor? Reese, can I have an answer? Chevrolet. Jack. I put Chevrolet and then I crossed it out and I put <laughs> Aon. Oh, the, the pressure got you. It, it's Chevrolet. God so that is yeah, one nil to Reese. <laughs> so number two, we went in with Arsenal, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. I, um, yeah, I didn't actually write them down in front of me. I'm just scrolling through <laughs> the list. So number two, Arsenal. Jack, what did you put? Fly Emirates. Reese. Fly Emirates. Fly Emirates. That is indeed Fly Emirates. So we've got two one coming into the third round. Then uh, Tottenham. What do we have here, guys? Uh, so I have AIA. Jack, what do you have? I actually forgot this song, which is quite embarrassing. That's pretty bad. So yes. it is indeed. AIA, so uh, nicely done. It's three one. Oh yes. Where do you look? At, you know, with your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So question number four was Brighton and Hove Albion. Jack, what do you have written down for us? <laughs> I forgot. I'm not for anything. Uh... Jack, that is that is boring. <laughs> I actually also put nothing. <laughs> I think I expected a bit too much from you, lads, when it came to football well, knowledge. Where do you look with your eyes during a game, you know? I mean, I'm always looking at the title sponsor. <laughs> That's the most important bit of the game for me. So, it was, in fact, American Express. So, uh, hang your head and shame, nothing each. So, coming to the final round, Reese has a inassailable lead at 3-1. Yes. So, <laughs> the final question was Man City. I'm assuming you both got this right. If not, I don't think you deserve a seat on this pod. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Reese. Uh, I thought it was Emirates. Ooh. I'm judging by that. Jack had probably the right answer. Well, I feel stupid getting the first one wrong now, but I got um, the Etihad. You know, Etihad. Etihad Airways yeah. is correct. So Jack gets a bit of face back, but he still lost to Reese, oh who thinks gosh. Man City are you know, not sponsored by Etihad, despite their <laughs> stadium being named that. So 3 2, meaning Jack Grandard will be bringing the beers next week. So but we he look still forward wins. to hearing that. He still that. wins. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I enjoy what you're getting next, people. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be nice. So we're coming into the debate section of the podcast. We thought it would be quite important to have a debate about a topic which isn't always necessarily being talked about by like the mainstream media of football. So without further ado, the debate topic this week is the end of the English love affair with international football. So for me, I found this is a quite pertinent you know, talking point because well, throughout our childhood and growing up, International football was always seen as the absolute pedigree, really amazing, you've got to get behind the England team. But by about the mid-noughties, the sort of fervour around the international tournament just kind of dropped off a bit. So I think it's quite important to just discuss this point and see uh, what everyone's opinion on it is. 
So I I don't like friendlies. I quite like I quite like the whole qualifying process and seeing how you are against kind of other teams that you might not usually play. You get a bit of excitement going. Yeah, but what I don't like is friendlies against some second-rate team um, and all it does is really cause injuries to your players and things like that. Yes, I would agree with that. I, I would like to add... Do you know how much a shirt costs nowadays? I haven't checked recently. I've kind of fallen out of the habit when uh, you know I just realised I don't have any more money in my bank account. <laughs> it costs about 80 quid. Jeez, it's hard to get passionate about your team when you're dropping 80 quid for that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to top it off, we all love the Premier League, but who is that English superstar, you know? Who's going like, to be the one that we'll be relying on? Plus, the training kit's a lot nicer than the actual kit, which is the main thing. <laughs> well, I think, I think uh, to go back to Jack's point there, I mean, it's very easy to hang your hat on a player. So, I mean, look, Gazza Italian 90, he just blew the roof of it. Everyone got into the mood for it. Now, I mean, look, we have Harry Kane. He's a quality, quality player, but I just don't think we get the same universal spirit in this country to then talk about, you know, Harry Kane's England. Yes, you're, you're right. You know, uh, if you follow us at Park the Mike Pod on Twitter, lovely little plug. Yes, little cheap plug there. <laughs> uh, you would notice that we actually put this on Twitter. Um, you know, for me as an England fan. I really was passionate when David Beckham was the centrefold of that England team, you know. A hundred percent. I mean, look, the term gone generation is well overused, but I mean, when you had Bex, as we all remember, knocking in that glorious free kick to send England to the World Cup, (laughs) we had the nation coming together for that. So, I mean, that was just like absolutely amazing. And to add on to that, Harry Kane's a great player. Uh, Deli Alli's, you know, he's always improving. Mm. I look at that team though and I'm, I'm just not excited. Um, yeah, that's a fair point. So, I mean, where are the players is a big question. Um, well, if you look at what we've got, I think you need Man City players, Liverpool players, Spurs players. Keep it as those three combined. So Get I'm, rid of the rest of them. So, <laughs> I think the point we're trying to make about this is, so um, it's safe to say City, Liverpool and Tottenham have provided probably the most exciting football this uh, season with attacking flair. So, I mean, City obviously have been more stoic at the back. Yeah. But all three of those teams have come together and brought really exciting players. But when you strip it back, so let's take uh, Liverpool for an example. Uh, the four players in the squad are what Oxlade-Chamberlain, Henderson, Joe Gomez, who unfortunately got injured, and Adam Lallana. Lallana's a quality player, but he's just not been playing recently. So it's hard to get the communal spirit of that team and transpose it into England. I love how Liverpool play. I think they're great. I, I would say that you can't really have Lallana in there. And it's also a problem with the England team. When you look at it, it's not really a threatening lineup. I, I think Jake Livermore's a great player, but you know he's an ever-present in the England squad. You've also got uh, players being rewarded, which I really like, like Tarkowski. And more it's, recently... It's good to see these young players going to cap. So Tarkowski, Alfie Mawson... Cook, like I'm all for giving them the chance after the points they had. So uh, yeah, all power to them. Yeah, and when you have that in a friendly, it doesn't really feel like an important game. I used to get quite excited when I saw a friendly match. It's not just about England either. Like with Italy facing Spain, I, I would tune into that. Friendlies feel like throwaway games, and they are throwaway games because you have the whole team substituted at half time, and a whole batch of new people that you're not that friendly with. Yeah, you know, they come on and they do a good job. 
Yeah, so I think let's strip this back a bit because we're talking a bit too much about current England. When did you personally feel that your interest in international football took a bit of decline? So I know when I was younger, so look, I'm only 25, but I remember 2002, I was in primary school. That, I think the game against Brazil, my sports day got cancelled for it just so we could go <laughs> see the game. Like, I'm not even joking, like, it was like that big. Like, we had to rearrange this, like, and everyone was there. Like, everyone was getting really excited for it. This was like one of the big events of the summer. So I remember that so clearly. And then around about, I think uh, we're talking just off air before the pods, so about 2006, you know, those games, that game against Portugal, it's just like, it's all gone downhill since there. I mean, what do you think? Well, uh, for me, I've always kind of been half and half. So although I've had a keen interest in uh, English football, I'm half Welsh. I've always had the uh, glory was, of the Welsh team. I was waiting to drop that in. So, I mean, <laughs> your jadedness is completely understandable. But, I mean, nowadays it's probably on the up. But when you are younger, yeah. did you not have that same I, I passion? St- I did still follow English football. Well, obviously, following the Prem, as I do, mm. you, you want to see how kind of that contingent of players are getting on. And uh, that, that kind of leads you into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say... For me, probably about 2010 South Africa's the the tipping point. That's a very fair comment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, yeah. we all remember how that went. <laughs> yeah, and it sort of spun about this this general English attitude that we're not very good. Yeah, so I think it's just the disappointment we've been feeling in tournaments because in the 90s, I mean, there was a great sense of after the tournament, there was heartbreak. People were like in bits about it. After 2010, it's like... I don't know, it's more of the same. It just feels... I mean, we've just kind of lost the interest that we used to have in it so much. Yep, we're getting knocked out to Panama. I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now. (laughs) Well, I think uh, quite an important thing is, like, with the political situation the way it is, we should uh, boycott the tournament after three games and hold our heads high. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, completely. And, you, you know, with, like... Previously, you had, like, Baddy on Skinner, like, three lines on the shirt. Oh, yeah. You see it in the crowds. You know, England games don't sell out. Yeah. They don't even sell that many tickets normally, <laughs> and it, I, I, I quite like social media. It rarely ever trends. Well, if it does, it trends negatively. Yes. Like, I can't believe this again. You know, it's just typical England. And I, I think the problem is, there is just this lack of interest. When um, Gareth Southgate was hired, I don't think many people were that excited. He's done a great job, but when I watch a neutral team play like Man City or Liverpool, Liverpool, mm-hmm. I get really excited, you know. So it's not just about me following my club, but with England, I, I just don't like the way they play. I don't feel confident about their prospects. I'm not really invested in the players either. So I think therein lies a the, uh, point. So when you think of Spain, Brazil, they have a style of play. They've got that beautiful, tricky, finesse, tiki-taki, whatever you want to call it. They just get football. When you think of England, what do you think? I mean, it's just... <laughs> it, I mean, you laugh, don't you? There's nothing There's nothing to it. It's just all, all a bit boring. Like, I can't think of any other way of describing it. I think we, we usually get a, a qualification sort of group of people and teams and we do really well in it and we go for hours and hours without conceding a goal. Oh, the stats winning, are beautiful. And winning loads. And then and then you get to a tournament and then you lose all three on the bounce and you're out within, within the space of two weeks, yeah. three weeks. And you go, well... What's what, happened? Well, the point. So let's bring it back to the topic. So, um, it, well, we call this the end of the English love affair with international football. If you, you know, you, you're head of the FA, you had your hand on the tiller, you've you know, got complete control of the game, how would you try and galvanise the population to really back it? So, I mean, 
you know, you're just controlling footballs. I mean, for me personally, I think it'll start a bit, well, look, it sounds very boring to say, but a bit of a grassroots level, get everyone involved, like, you know, get everyone to associate loving the badge. So this is something that happened in New Zealand rugby, which, I mean, I don't want to bore you with it too much, but from bottom club level, everyone wants to be an All Black, so you aspire to be nothing else apart from trying to put on that black shirt. So I think pride in the jersey would really bring in a bit more passion from kids on the way up. <laughs> I so I've caught, I've caught you a bit on the hot there. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, 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 it's fine. I, I, I hate to say it. You know, I, I work in PR. And what I would say is maybe we need like another John Barnes sort of little thing going on. Or we get like a, you know, I think a perfect example would be someone like Skepta or Stormzy getting involved with the England team. Yeah, so, so you're a bit of world in motion. Because I think <laughs> with, with our generation, we're, we're sort of set in our ways with our views because we've got a bit of like rose-tinted glasses. I think mm-hmm. with the newer generation, they're also so used to this negativity, but they never actually saw a decent England team. Well, they never saw like us looking good. So, I mean, admittedly, in our lifetime, we haven't ever achieved anything. But I remember, as I say again, the golden generation, like looking promising like that game 2002 against Brazil yes we got knocked out but we we made a good account of ourselves really yeah. and it was just a stroke of luck that uh that kind of brought it in yeah there's there's no shame in those sort of defeats and what I'm trying to say is we've, we've got to get people excited about English football and the way to do that is to get these more mainstream sort of stars sort of getting people more involved in it because I haven't heard anyone say that we're going to win the World Cup or we're going to win the Euros in such a long time, you know. So that always used to be like the background to my childhood watching games like, oh, we're going to win the World Cup, this is it, this is going to be amazing. So, I mean, to capitalise on your point there, I think utilising social media, getting, like you say, your Stormzies, your Skeptors, like real people who influence a younger generation to indoors, not necessarily, you know, John Barnes doing the rap sort of way, but I mean, there's, there's got to be a, some, some way in between that they can help out. I think that would really help her uh, sort of bring together the sense of feeling for our country. I think uh, another point from that is us as a country, we're very involved with the Premier League and the Premier League this and the Premier League that. Oh, we're obsessed with it. And, and our, our teams from the Premier League are the best teams in the Champions League. And it, it's kind of, we roll with that the entire time. And it, it was almost like English football gets left behind a bit. And then it's like, oh, international friendlies are coming around oh, I'm not going to watch any football for two or three weeks. Because yeah, the, the view is, as sad as it is, uh, oh, international football, that's two weeks of the Premier League. Yeah. Right, what's the point? Exactly. I, I, I don't think it is with the older generation as much. A lot of the older generation seem to love to watch England play, even if even if it's not what they actually want. Well, I might have a contrary opinion to you guys, but I do get out to watch England. I mean, I do come away disappointed, but I still feel the hurt of not seeing a good England performance. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot. There's a lot of things with that. I think there's different ways to actually. Sorry, lads, um, I'm uh, terribly professional. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of ways I think you can change that. I mean, at the moment you're playing teams that probably aren't interesting, probably won't play together again, especially in particular friendlies. Are you saying the might of Andorra is not a fun thing in the qualification? I mean, we all seen what San Marino can do. Um, well, <laughs> I, uh, those part timers are a naughty outfit. Let's, let's not get it wrong. I mean, they do, they do a job, but yeah. I think. Can you bring in some stipulations where maybe you have uh, only players who are 24 and younger play or you could do kind of only only reserve players or substitutes can play? So bring in a sort of um, Olympic type model, bringing that into like friendlies, is that what you're trying to say? 
Yeah, just to friendlies, not to qualification, but purely to friendlies, just to make it a little bit more interesting to that, see some talent that you might not have seen. And that give is them a, a that's an interesting point of view because I think, well, you always say like younger players are hungry for the opportunity. If you give them the opportunity, that might put a few of the more established heads a bit uneasy, think they've actually got to stop playing for their shirt. Yeah, well, well, I think I think a lot of clubs being obviously you have foreign players that are really really good players coming in you, you've got those playing and, and a lot of a lot of people don't get their opportunity so I think with that and that platform to play at it gives them that opportunity to shine I couldn't agree more with you so what do you think Jack? Keeping it real being like Ali G I would, I would say that, that, that's <laughs> one for the kids yeah <laughs> keeping it real uh, we already have that don't we uh, you know these, these players are getting chances I would love to see someone like Troy Deeney or Callum Wilson or even Jermaine Defoe get another chance, but I do think players are getting more opportunities now. Harkening back to what I was saying before, though, those sort of players and what makes the Premiership great, I don't think it's fundamentally the English players, actually. It's actually the foreign players. is why we love the Premier League so much and why the Premier League is so good. Yeah, I think uh, that's a very true point because the identity of the Premier League is so wrapped up in the international players now. So when we had the first invasion of um, you know Euro- European players coming to the Premier League, that just drummed up the excitement and everyone just got really behind it. So I think it's safe to say that the identity of the national team, despite pretty much all of them playing in the Premier League, is completely separate to Premier League football. They're just you know they're too well to part. It's hard to really compare them anymore. Yeah, um, it is quite difficult to compare what we've actually what we've got there. Um, <laughs> in all fairness, as well, uh, I get disappointed with managerial decisions that just seem a bit kind of opinion opinion based, but stupidly. Like I think Shelby, I, I can't see why he didn't play against Holland or Italy, who play that defensive kind of stance. Particularly the way he played on the weekend. He was imperious, just spraying balls about the park. He does pinpoint passes, and that's what you want against those teams. And you don't play him because you don't trust him to not get a red card. It seems a bit foolish. So, let's bring it back round then. So, I think to wrap up, what are your opinions on will England, uh, will England ever get behind the national team the way it used to in the past? No, and I would say they don't deserve it either. And I think it is a tough love situation where the players have got the responsibility now to change the public opinion and they've got to do well in this World Cup to sort of get the public back in love with football because over the years there's been so much disappointment and they've had enough really. That's a that's a really good point of view. So um what do you think, Reese? Um I think I think it does I think it, we will fall back in love with it, but it will take some doing and it will probably be in about 20 or 30 years' time. I can't see it being any time soon, unfortunately. Um, so, I mean, so it's a pretty uh, sad state of affairs to wrap up the debate. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys for listening and hopefully you enjoy that moment. So let's uh, bring it on to our slightly lighter topic in a section we delightfully call Reese's Ruminations. So we've uh, got Reese trawling through the archives in our office here, which is basically the internet. And uh, just trying to find a story from the world of football that he finds particularly interesting so we can uh, just have a bit of a talking point about it. So uh, without further ado, I'll hand you over to Reese and his ruminations. So uh, I was reading an article this week when extra time had no end. So you all remember golden goals and things like that. Mm-hmm. None of that. 
So uh, during World War Two, they didn't want to have replays because obviously fixing that into schedules and things it, it wasn't convenient. I think particularly with the uh, lack of manpower during World War Two, while they were uh, off elsewhere. Exactly. So with we had a Stockport versus Doncaster game, and it was actually halted after darkness uh, because they played a total of three hours and twenty three minutes. I mean, particularly in the era where fitness wasn't really key. I mean. I'm, I am I play on a Saturday. I'm busting my lungs after, you know, a good 60 minutes. And I think I'm averagely fit. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so at that time, you know, they're probably chain smoking on the sideline. Uh, that's got to be a, like, monumentally, like, huge effort. Well, it's like it's playing over two games in a row. It's it's a lot to a lot to handle for anyone, I think, really. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. So uh, can you uh, give us a bit more information? So uh, basically, it went to, they were at 2-2 at full time. And uh, it just went on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, sounds like an ex-girlfriend right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I couldn't imagine uh, sitting there. Well, the fans must have been, you know, just sat in the crowd like, oh, yeah, the game will wrap up soon. Surely it will wrap up soon. Please end. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think they uh, actually halted it because of the darkness in the end because the... Uh, Everyone had gone home, including the cows. So <laughs> Sounds like a bit of a mercy killing there. Exactly. Uh, I think everyone had had enough by that point. Uh, they, they had discussed about doing a coin toss, and they decided against it. So, so uh, <laughs> the wrap-up was it just ended to all? Uh, I'm not too sure, in all honesty. <laughs> I didn't read the article. This is, not quality <laughs> research here, apart from my yeah, This is why you listen to us, for our in-depth analysis <laughs> and features that we bring to the table. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. thank you very much, Reese, for That's your right. debut episode of Reese's Ruminations. It was obviously great. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, I think that just about wraps up our talking points here on our first episode of Part of the Mic Pod. Uh, just to remind you, you can follow us on social media at Part of the Mic Podcast. And we will hear from you next week. I have been MJ Michelle. That has been Reese Thomas. See ya. That has been the man over there, Jack Granard. Goodbye and good night. Cheers, gents. <laughs>